Cool. Well, it's good to see everybody tonight. If you are one of our first-time guests, we want to say welcome, and you are a part of the family, and so we are so glad you are here tonight. We do M12 every Wednesday night, and you picked a great night to come because we start a new series tonight, which I know you've already talked a little bit about it, but we start a series called Kings tonight. It's a three-week series, and here's the thing. This is what I know to be true because it's true about me. And if it's true about me, it's true about you. Everybody wants to be king. Everybody wants to be king. We all want to call the shots. We all want to do our own thing, right? We all want to, uh, let's see, we all want to be in control. We all want to make our own rules, right? It's kind of like the Lion King, you know? I just can't wait to be king. That's right. We all want to be king. We all want to be king. And here's a question that I got for you. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, you've ever had this thought in your mind, man, if I were king for a day, this is what I would do. I mean, if I were just king for one day or queen for one day, this is what I would do. I would go here. I would do this. Everybody would get this. All right. Well, I've asked that same question, and I want to answer it. If I were king for a day, every one of you guys would get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. Because I love me some Chick-fil-A sandwich. Right? Yeah, you can get it with no pickle. You can get it however you want, bro. And here's the second thing. Every one of you guys would get a tub of Tonight Dough ice cream. The Tonight Dough. Hey, if you've never had that flavor of Ben and Jerry's, you have got to try it. It is, it will save your life. It'll change your life. Okay, okay. Stay with me, guys. I know it's exciting to see ice cream on the screen, but it's not in front of you, okay? So don't act like it is, all right? But no, we all want to be king, and everybody wants to be king because we all want to be in control. But when you are the king, when you drill down into the life of a king, there's a question that every king has to answer. And here's the question. What do I do now? What do I do now? And if you want to, I'd love for you to write that down. It's not going to come on the screen. It's not on your outline, but maybe write it down. What do I do now? And the reality, right, is even though you're not a king, I'm not a king, you're not a queen, I'm definitely not a queen, even though we're not kings and queens, right, this is a question that you are going to be faced with all of the time. What do I do now? What do I do now? And what we want to do is we want to look at some kings that had to answer that question. Because here's the thing. That is a question, and your answer to that, to that question affects you more than maybe you realize. See, sometimes you have this temptation in middle school, and you're thinking, ah, oh, it's no big deal what I do, or these decisions are no big deal because, man, I'm in middle school. It's not that big of a deal. And what I would submit to you is that the answer to that question is very, very important. What do I do now? For example, man, I want to be a really good friend to, to my friends. What do, what do I do now? Or man, I want to be a really good student in school. What, what, do, what do I do now? I want to be uh, someone who's trustworthy in my relationships. What do I do now? And so for tonight and the next two weeks, what I want to do is look at Look, look with you at three kings that answer that question. Now, let me give you a, just a brief history. For about 500 years, 
For about 500 years, the people of God were not ruled by kings. The people of God were actually ruled by things like uh, the law, or they were ruled by prophets, or they were ruled by judges. But the problem is that the people of God wanted a king. I mean, they wanted to have a king because they were like, well, that nation's got a king, and that nation's got a king, so why can't we have a king? And so they kept asking God. They kept kind of pestering God, like, God, we want a king. We want a king. And so finally, God delivers. And so there's several different kings that are in the Bible. We're only going to talk about three of them, but some of them you may recognize. One is King Saul. He was the first king. And Saul kind of went crazy. And so then the next king became King David. And King David was the one that wrote a lot of the, the book of Psalms in the Bible. He was a man after God's own heart. That's kind of one of the things that we hear about King David. And then after that was King Solomon. And Solomon wrote Proverbs. He was one of the smartest, wisest men, right, to ever walk the, uh, the planet. And so there were good kings and there were bad kings. There were kings that answered the question, what do I do now in a good way? And then there were kings that answered the question, what do I do now in a not so good way? And what I want to do with you is I want to look at three of the more obscure kings. In other words, three of the kings that maybe you've never even heard their name. You've never even heard about who they are. So tonight, we're going to kick this off, and we're going to talk about King Josiah. King Josiah. Now, it's not going to be this Josiah, although he is the man. He is a good worship leader, isn't he? Josiah's awesome. We're not going to talk about that Josiah, but we are going to talk about King Josiah in the Bible. And when it comes to the story and the kingship of Josiah, it really kind of comes down to two words, change and commitment. Change and commitment. But see, truthfully speaking, students, and you may or may not get this yet, but we live in a culture where we want the change without the commitment. Or we want the results without the work of getting the results that we want. For example, you want to get A's in all your classes, but you don't want to do all the work that it takes to get there. You don't want to do all the studying all the time. Some of you, you have a problem with doing your homework, right? It is hard, but you got to do it. You can't get zeros, or then you're going to get a bad grade. But that's, that's, that's kind of what we live in, is that we want, we want the results without the work. And I remember in my life, about a year and a half ago, I became someone that I never thought I would become. I became a runner, I started running all the time. Some things were going on in my life, and so I had to kind of lean into something different, something that would relieve stress. It, it became a good God time for me. It became a good time for me to talk to God, listen to music. And so I started running. And then I set this goal, and I was like, man, I would love one day to run like a half marathon, which is 13.2 or 1 miles. And that's a lot of miles. Especially for me, because I used to think running was just really boring. Anybody think running's boring? Yeah. So, but God changed that. And, and so here's the thing. But I didn't just go out the first time that I started running and go run 13 miles. I started off running maybe one or two, maybe three on a good day, right? And then over time, that commitment to running changed. It changed me. It helped me to be, feel more healthy. And then I was working my way towards my goal 
of running a half marathon. And last January, I actually did that. I achieved the goal. This is a question or a quick picture here. This is the end, the finish line. It was cold as all cold could be. And I don't show you that for you to clap, although it is a great accomplishment and for me. It was a huge accomplishment. But but even more so, more so, right? More so. I want you to understand that it started with commitment. That change in my life could not have taken place without the commitment. And at the heart of King Josiah, this is what we learn. Change requires commitment. Would love for you to write that down in your notes. Change requires commitment. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. If you're not committed to the change that you want to see, then change is probably not going to happen. And if you want to see change, but you're not committed, it's just not going to happen. So change always requires commitment. And a lot of times, if we're being honest, we're kind of afraid of commitment at times. And we're scared of change. A lot of us don't like change. We kind of like being comfortable in our own deal and kind of the routine and the things. How many of you guys have like assigned seating in, in school? Anybody have assigned seating? Okay, so, but here's the thing. And right now, right now, you hate having assigned seating. Most of you, probably. But if you walked into school tomorrow and they no longer had assigned seating, it might mess with you a little bit because change is tough. Change is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy, right? And the Israelites felt the same exact way. They felt the same way in this time of 2 Kings. So what did they do? They committed to a lot of different things. As a matter of fact, they committed to everything. For example, they committed to false gods. They committed them, themselves to, to temples, to idols. They began to say yes to everything, and they had no filter. They had no boundaries, and that's where we pick up tonight where I want to read with you. So if you want to, grab your Bible that is either going to be in front of you or below you. And I want everybody to grab a Bible. There's enough for everyone to have. If you brought your own, good for you. If you didn't, then we have one underneath or in front. And I want you to turn open to page number 388. 388, all right? 388. I want to catch us up with what's happening in this book. So we have the... Israelites, and they began to follow false gods for years upon years upon years. And they turned to idols, and they turned to temples and things that did not last, okay? And there was a king at the time, and his name was King Amon. Everybody say Amon. One, two, three. That's right. King Amon. And here's the thing about King Amon. His own people did not like him. And so what did they do? They killed him. That's right. Hey, man, the Bible did not waste much time. They didn't like each other. They killed each other. All right? There was no gossip. They just killed you. Not really. But King Amon died. And here's what happened. The people that liked King Amon then went to the people who killed King Amon, and they killed them. And then those people who killed King Amon... They go to Josiah and they say, hey, Josiah, you are going to be the next king. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says it like this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Now think about this. From age 8 to age 39, Josiah was the king of Judah. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Put yourself in the story. Can you imagine your dad has just been assassinated? And then the people that assassinated him, they get assassinated. And the people that assassinated the people that assassinated your dad, they come up to you and say, hey, man, you're the next king. I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? And on top of that, on top of that, he was only eight. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I was eight, man, I was picking my nose. You know what I'm saying? Digging a wedgie out of my butt. Some of you guys are still doing that, man. You guys got to quit. You guys got to grow up. You're, you're, you're in middle school. You got to keep, you got to quit doing that. No, but listen, he was eight years old. And not only that, this was a very dark time in the life of this kingdom. It was a really, really dark time. But then something really interesting and incredible happens. So I want you to imagine this for a second. This is hard for us to imagine because the Bible is so accessible, which is an incredible thing. It's an incredible gift that God has given to us. We have Bibles all over the place. You can have a Bible on your phone in seconds. You can get a Bible on your computer. You've got a Bible in your hand right now in your lap. But at, at this time, in the kingdom of Judah, there was only one holy book, and they had lost it. They had lost, they had lost the only Bible that they had. And then, as they were cleaning the temple, this is what the Bible says. It says, Hilkiah the priest said to Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And, and so, so think about this. The only Bible that could be found anywhere, the only Bible they had, right, they found it in the temple. And then, this is what happens. When the king heard the words, I want you to listen to this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. I don't need the sound effect. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now, I want you to think about this. Josiah was not reading the Bible. He was king. The Bible was being read to him. And do you know what the Bible being read to him did? It convicted him and it challenged him. And he was so convicted. He was so um, undone by the reading of the word that he began to tear his robes because of all of the sin in his life, because of all the mistakes that he had made, because of all of his predecessors and the kings before him and his dad, King Amon, and all of the decisions that they made because this is what they did. They turned to idols and altars and false gods Instead of turning to the one thing that mattered the most, God himself. And this undid King Josiah. It undid him. He tore his robes 
And not only did it undo him, but it changed his life. It changed his life and it changed everything in the kingdom. Because change requires commitment. And this was the question that he was faced with. Am I going to commit to what is said in the book of the law? Am I going to choose to commit to what the book of the law says? And so I want to read this together in 2 Kings chapter 23. It's five verses. It's on page 390. And it begins in verse 19. It's long, but I want you to listen with me and I want you to read it with me. Not out loud, but in your heart. Listen to this. It says, just as he had done, Josiah removed all the shrines in the high places that the kings of Israel had built in the towns of Samaria and that aroused the Lord's anger. So everything that made God angry, all the shrines, all the altars, King Josiah removed them. He destroyed them. The Bible says Josiah slaughtered all of the priests of those high places on the altars, and he burned human bones on them. And then he went back to Jerusalem. He is cleaning house, people, because of the reading of the word. It says this in verse 21, The king gave this order to all of the people, Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. And listen to this. Josiah got rid of all mediums and spirits, the household gods, the idols, and all other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. And this is why he did it to fulfill the requirements of what was written in the law that Hilkiah read to him. So I want you to, I want you to catch this picture. Josiah is having the Bible that is in your hands that is in your lap, he is having the Bible read over him, and it changes everything. It changes how he leads. It changes the king that he was. And he goes and he cleans house, and he sets a day of Passover, which is basically a day dedicated to the Lord, his God. And everything in the kingdom changed And in verse 25, it summarizes, and I want you to listen to this, it's powerful. It says, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses. So never before and never after King Josiah was there a king that devoted himself to the Lord his God the way that Josiah did. And do you know how it started? By listening to what is written in the book of the law. And so students, these people made a lifestyle out of turning to things that really didn't matter, to false gods, to idols, And you know what's true is that we do the same thing. I do the same thing. 
I turn to things that, at the end of the day, don't matter near as much as God does. And I idolize things that are not God. And I put things in front of God instead of keeping God first. We all do this. This is all a part of our life at times. And it's a battle and it's a struggle. And if you're, if you're with me in that, then you're in good company. But here's the thing. The Bible is what changed Josiah. Do you think, I hope you don't think that we read from this each week because we just want to entertain you. No, we read from this each week because we believe that it has the power to change you. And that really is the question that I want you to wrestle with and I want you to ask yourself. And I don't want you to answer, I just want you to think. Can the Bible change me? Can the Bible change me? Can, can the Bible change me the way that the Bible changed King Josiah? And I'd love for you to actually write that down. I want you to know this is the answer. Yes. The Bible can change you. And I know that to be true because the Bible has changed me. And I love the analogy that happens in the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, the word of God is living and active. Students, the Bible is not just another book. I want you to understand that. The Bible is it's not just another book. The Bible is living and active. And then it refers itself to a sword. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. And listen to this. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. See, when Josiah had those words written to him, it pierced him because he knew he was living his life differently than what God wanted, and he couldn't do it anymore. And for some of you, the truth is maybe when you hear those words, when you hear words from Scripture, sometimes it pierces you. I know it does me. That's not out of wanting you to be in pain. That's out of wanting you to be more like Jesus. When God convicts you, it's a good thing. Because when we're convicted, then we can become more like Jesus. And that's what happened in Josiah's life. He tore his robes. Because he and his people had forsaken the truth. What do you do? What do you do when you choose to live separate from what you know God wants you to do? I would hope that it would bother you. That you would wrestle with that. Knowing that God's way is always the best way. And what I love about the Bible is it also says this, the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Not only does it refer to itself as a sword, but it refers, itself, it refers to itself as a light. Now, I, I don't know about you, but in my house I have stairs, and, uh, and um, I don't have a flashlight. And so that is a combination for not good. And, uh, but there are times when I'm like, dude, this is my house. I've been living in my house for three-plus years. I mean, I know how many stairs I got. I don't need a flashlight. And then the next moment, I fall on my face on the stairs. And then I bruise my knee, you know. 
But what I am so thankful for is that now I do have a flashlight on my iPhone. It's the, it saves me. It's awesome. And I love this because late at night, I don't like to leave any lights on in my house. I like to save the energy, okay? Go green. But when I turn the lights off, it's obviously dark. And so I got to be able to light the way. I got to be able to see where to walk. And you know that's exactly what the Bible does, is that it lights the way. Some things are going on in your life. You're struggling with your friendships. You're struggling in your relationship with your parents. You're struggling in school. It just feels like darkness is all around you. Turn to the Bible. Turn to Jesus. Because the Bible says it's a light. A light to your path. A lamp to your feet. It will show you where to go. It will show you where to walk. It will show you how to live. But see, students, the the hardest part of this is that the Bible can have no power in your life or mine if we don't look to it. And so here's the action step of tonight. Start small. Start small. I remember when I was about your age, I went to a youth event, and I was so excited about my relationship with God. I was so pumped and passionate. I came home, and I was like telling my parents, you know, about what God did in my life. And and I remember praying to God, and I told God, I said, God, I'm going to start reading the Bible every day. I'm going to read a chapter a day in the Bible. And that lasted for about three days. And you know what happened is I got discouraged. I got discouraged because I had set this goal, and it was a good goal. I mean, it's time spent with God. And so I, I set this goal, and, and then I didn't meet the goal. And so then I started thinking, well, God's disappointed in me, or how can I not spend time with God like this? I mean, it, you know, what's wrong with me? I started thinking things were wrong. And so the reason why I challenge you start small is because I set an unrealistic goal in my life, and it messed me up for a few years to where I didn't even want to open the Bible. And the truth of tonight is that everybody in this room is different. Some of you guys, you already read the Bible a good bit. Maybe you got it on your phone. Maybe you have your own Bible you know, in your room. Or, and, and reading the Bible is no big deal for you because you, you already do that, and that's amazing. But for a lot of you, if I asked you the question and I said, hey, man, how often do you read the Bible? You'd probably say, not a whole lot. Maybe just, you know, when I'm at M12 or when I come to church. And that's okay, too, but I want you to know something. The Bible was never meant to be a chore to you. It was never meant to be like this check off the box. The Bible is one of the best avenues for you to deepen your relationship with Christ. For you to learn about the character of God, about the love of God, about what is it really, does God really love me? Does, even when I mess up, God still loves me? Yeah. He loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for your sin. And so here's what we're going to do over this month. And we are hoping that this is going to be helpful for you. And you've, maybe you've talked about this already in your small groups about version, which is a smartphone app. But this is what we want to challenge you with. 
Throughout the course of this month, when you read the Bible, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's every day, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's one minute, maybe it's on the way to school, wherever your steps are, wherever, whatever it means to you to start small, we have a hashtag that we have made specifically for this, and it's simply M12, start small. And here's all we want you to do. When you read the Bible, whether it's in an application in an actual Bible, on your computer screen. We want you to take a picture of the verse that you read, and we want you to hashtag it, M12 Start Small. If you have an Instagram or a Twitter or a Facebook, if you have those things, if you don't have those things, then you can go on your computer and you can look at all the other verses that all, all the other people are reading. And what we're hoping happens is that you pop on Instagram or on your computer, you put in that hashtag, and you've got scripture all over the place. And then you get your eyes on the word. That's what we're hoping happens. But remember this, and then I'll pray. Remember one step at a time. One step at a time. You're not going to walk out of here and start reading the Bible every day. But maybe for you, you'll open it once. And that would be a huge, huge step in your life. One step at a time. And here's what we're going to do as we wrap up tonight. We have a song that we want to play. And what I want to ask you to do is I want you to treat this as a sacred moment. I don't want you to come up here. I want you to stay at your chair. Maybe you need to pray and you need to talk to God about some things. Maybe you want to pray with your small group leader or group of people around you. We encourage you to stand. We encourage you to sit. Whatever you want to do in this moment, minus talking to other people, we want you to connect with God for just a few minutes before we wrap up tonight. And so let me pray. God, thank you so much for these students. Thank you for your word, the power that is in your word, the truth that is in your word. And I pray and I ask that you would begin to grow our desire for your word and that you would begin to teach us more about your word. The way that you changed Josiah, would you change us? In Jesus' name.